Welcome everybody to episode 49 of Ride the Pine. This is a podcast where two friends discuss sports with a side of anxiety and a lot of doubt. As always, I'm Dan and I'm joined by Tom. How are you this week? I am doing fantastic, Dan. How are you? Well, after that Wimbledon this past weekend, my God, what what a weekend of sports it was. Yeah, this was, um, as I told you before, it, it, it is going to go down, at least for me. And I haven't seen every match, but I've seen all the premier matches. This was the best tennis match I've ever seen in my entire life. It was just back and forth, uh, other than the second set, which was just purely dominated by Roger Federer. Uh, there was n- barely any give. <laughs> it was just too intense Two of the best players of all time went head-to-head, and they put on a show for us. They really did. It was one of the, like, in that final set, it was like 8-7 Djokovic. Like, okay, Djokovic is going to probably win the next set and be done. Nope. Federer, 8-8. Then Federer, 9-8. And then you're like, okay, now it's the other way. And then Djokovic, 9-9. And then 10-9. It's like... Who's gonna Who's gonna give? That final that set was uh, it was it was spectacular. It was absolutely phenomenal. And th- so this went down as the longest finals match in Wimbledon history, uh, for the men's side at least, uh, and that would definitely mean for the women's side as well. Uh, it, it was just back and forth, nonstop. Besides that fifth set, the rest of the match itself was just so good, and. You know the first uh, the first set, uh, Djokovic takes the the win uh, through a tiebreak, which Federer is very good at tiebreaks, especially this year. He's been doing phenomenally with them, so it was a little bit of a shocker. And then Roger does what Roger does best. He loses the first set, and then he just turns it on for the second set. So now it's back to even. And then Djokovic again in a tiebreak beats Federer in the third. And like I said, Federer's bread and butter is tie breaks. And he's been doing so well with them. And if he could just turn one of these, he's the Wimbledon champion. But Djokovic, to his credit, just played better in the in the tie breaks. Then we go to the fourth set. Roger Federer uh, breaks Djokovic midway through that. Takes the set. We go to the historic fifth set. I mean... When the the last match that kind of gave me this feeling was back in 2008, when Roger and Rafa met in the finals, and Rafa ended up beating him, but it was just an epic match, back and forth all match long. This was that and more, and like I said, Djokovic is the best player in the world for a reason. You know, Federer is the king of grass. You know, like not 420 grass, but like grass courts, and <laughs> I, I got, I, I got, I got that. I think I figured that out. And and the two of them just, both of them wanted the match lasted three minutes less than five hours, four hours and fifty seven minutes, that's which is ridiculous. a long match. And I know for a lot of people that's extremely off putting, because you know we're, we're used to like shorter, two two and a half hour matches in, in whatever sport. So yeah, it was long. It's, it's started at like eleven o'clock for us, and and it didn't end until the afternoon, which went very late there. But man, was it fun to watch, Dan! It was so good. I, I the one thing that I noticed, and I was saying to myself, man, if he could utilize this particular shot 
over and over and over and over again is that backhand flop shot. Who I don't we, know how he who puts are we talking Federer. about Federer? Federer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know how he puts that much backspin on it. But well, you see, you see Djokovic's face every time that shot landed on the other <laughs> side. Of the net. He was just—it was kind of like, a, "Oh crap!" When Federer <laughs> has that shot going on, it's in, it, it's unstoppable. You can't it's stop unbeat- it. You, can, you, you can't return it. You can't. There's not much you can do. Even uh, a defensive player like Djokovic, who just has this, Djokovic has this amazing ability, Dan, to get to every single shot, and that's what makes him annoying to play against. You hit a perfect forehand across the court. And you're like, anybody else, you got that point. And Djokovic finds a way to get to the ball and put it back in play. And even Djokovic couldn't do that throughout this match. And the reason why Federer can do that is because he still plays with a one-hand backhand. You know, a lot of these guys, I mean, all of these guys can do that because you can alter your two-hand back into a one-hand to do that shot. But Federer has he's one of the masters of the one-hand backhand. Most players today go for the more accurate uh, two-hand backhand. So they choose to just hit it across court while Federer, who just, I'm trying to, like Gretzky, you know, it's like a Gretzky sort of deal where if you don't see a shot that you can play. You create your own, and that's right. that's what Federer has the ability to do. And he was on it, and I'm very happy that he was because there was like it, there was always a part of me that is worried with these finals that one player is going to show up and the other's not. But that didn't really happen. Yeah, it, there was a lot of unforced no, errors, but that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. There was it was just good tennis. It really was, and, and the thing for me, it like it almost turned into not only a chess match, but like an, it was like an art show. Both of those it, are it, very it, accurate. It was, it, because it, it was just it was so elegant watching the mm-hmm. way that they were able to just go back and forth mm-hmm. and back and forth, and then Roger throwing out that backhand flop, and then Djokovic diving all over the freaking court like a madman. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, the, 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 how many times did he end up, like, on all fours, just, like, on the ground, face down? Oh, a lot. Multiple times. Yeah, and because Federer was just, he was toying with him, it felt. And that's the brilliance of Djokovic, though. All right, so if you look at the stats, I'm on Wimbledon.com, so you can see the full stats if you wish. But um, if you look at all the stats, and they have aces, double faults, Federer had more aces. He had less double faults. He had hit more first serve percentage in uh, than barely, but still more than uh, Djokovic. He dominated the first serve. He dominated the second serve. He won most of his net points, uh, and he had seven break points won. So he broke Djokovic seven out of 13 times. All of these stats show a win. Those should be a win, and he lost. (laughs) Oh, it's it's uh, it's unbelievable uh, what what Djokovic was able to accomplish, um, going against a person as talented as Federer. And the thing that really blows my mind, Tom, is what we talked about last week going into like the the semifinals and the quarters and stuff, is how he's able to do what he's doing at his age. It, it, it yeah. really is just like a, it's 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 incredible. I know it, it really is, and I mean, again, Federer. A lot of people believe that his best chance of winning another major 
is here at Wimbledon. Now, I actually disagree because he's dominated the French Open and the U.S. Open to an extent. He's won like five times or more on each. So I still think he has a chance on hardcore. But most people say because of his style and the way he plays, grass is his best chance. So he's the he's the Rafa. You know how Rafa dominates clay? Yep. It's, it's like you have to get by Federer for this because the semifinals before this, which we, we didn't talk about because that happened midweek, was Federer versus Rafa. And Federer rolled on him. He won in four sets. Or I mean, that, that you don't see a Federer-Nadal matchup go that easily. Now, granted, it, it on paper it looks easy. Nadal put up a huge fight. So it wasn't as much of a blowout as it seems. But Federer still only lost one set to the great Rafa Nadal. And I know grass isn't Nadal's number one strong suit, but it's still Nadal. And that's that just shows you how dominant Federer is. The only thing is, Djokovic is just younger, he's quicker, and he has these abilities to, to stick it to these top players. If it wasn't for Nadal and Djokovic, Federer could be over 30 majors right now. Easily. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Because Federer really stopped playing in the French Open once Nadal came to play. And then Djokovic just seems to be a little thorn in the side of, of, uh, of Federer too. So if these guys aren't here, Federer just is rolling through these majors. Uh, so credit to Djokovic. It was amazing. I don't know why he ate grass. When he was done, it was a little weird. That that was a little weird. Yeah, I, I get it. You're celebrating. You're, you've won so many. I think that was his 15th major. I'm going to check. Um, but <laughs> I, guess, I get it. You run out of things to a uh, 16th, by the way, 16th Grand Slam title. Uh, you run out of ways to celebrate, but eating grass, uh, I mean, come on. You could, you could do better there, Joker. Either way, Dan, it was so fun to watch. I, I'm so happy it ended that way. Now, on another note, yeah. you have the women's final. Yes, which... Uh, yeah. One thing, uh, before you get into what go, you're going to say, yeah, between no. Tuesday and Saturday, there was only one game or one uh, match mm-hmm. yeah. that went three sets. Right. Every other game was done in two sets. It was a 2-0 every right. single every single game, which yeah. shows how talented some of these women are. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and that matchup, and I had a feeling. I had a feeling that Simona Halep was going to be there. I just, you know, I, I, she's she's a great player. Um, and ultimately, uh, Serena, Serena got rolled. <laughs> Dan. <laughs> she, well, well, the last two matches Hal- Halep had, yeah, uh, and then including the the final against Serena. You know how many mm-hmm. games in total she lost? No, tell me. Eight. <laughs> it's she crazy. Went six one six three six six two six two. That's in crazy. her last four matches. And, That's and, ridiculous. And, and again, the six two six two is in the final versus the great Serena Williams. Six yeah. two, six two, and then on top of that, her semifinal was against uh, Svitolina. Yeah, which is who n- was ranked higher than Serena. Yeah, I, now and destroyed her. <laughs> destroyed her, just absolutely handled her, and, and that's why I had a feeling that she could she could win this. Now, did I imagine that it was going to be in straight sets? Six two, six two. Hell no, 
Absolutely not. There was no rhyme or reason. And Serena, who's, you know, a champion, when they interviewed her right after the match, she just laughed. She's like, I got schooled. <laughs> and she knew it. So Simona Halep went out and played the best tennis of her life. I've never seen her hit as many perfect shots as she did. And she made Serena look like she didn't deserve to be there, which is not fair because Serena definitely did deserve to be there. Uh, but wow, it was crazy. What, like basically what you're saying is she was making her look foolish. Yeah, 100%. It, it, was, it, was a, it was a clinic. And if it's against anyone else, I'm like, okay. But if this was against Serena. And even though Serena is definitely not at the best tennis that she ever has been even though it looks like she's getting back to that now she's not there just yet she's still recovering uh she might need to practice a little bit more because Halep just owned her it was yeah it was domination (laughs) it really was it was fun to watch though it was really fast it was a really quick final I, I missed the first set because I was just a little late because these matches are super early in the morning. Uh, well, not super early, but early. And uh, by the time I got there, it was like middle second set and Serena was getting d- dominated. I was like, oh, wow. Well, this is it. And I only ended up watching for 15 minutes and Serena was done. <laughs> it was, it was, it was <laughs> wild. Like, whoop, whoop, that's yeah. Just like that. Yeah. It, it was time tricky to make breakfast to, to get the matches over. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know exactly how long it lasted, uh, but I... I wouldn't. I wouldn't think it was much more over than an hour. It was really fast, but it was a very good Wimbledon. I'm very happy to see some of the stuff that did happen. Uh, also, on a side note, you, if you're an Andy Murray fan, Andy Murray and Serena had their little uh, Cinderella run uh, in doubles, mixed doubles. So. If you're an Andy fan, it's good to see him back on the court. Hopefully, he's healthy for the U.S. Open because, the, you know, he's pretty good on hard court. So, it would be fun. I don't know if you know much about Andy Murray, but he used to be one of the top, like, four players. And then injuries just overwhelmed his career. But he's starting to yeah. get back now. Wasn't it, like, ankle or, like, it was lower body? If Everything. I From what I yeah. remember, he's suffered with so many different injuries. The one that's recovering now might be, like, a rotator cuff or something like that. Where, which for tennis is, oof, <laughs> that's a bad one. I mean, that's really hard to come back from. That's yeah. like, uh, honestly, for me, not to compare me to Andy Murray, but, you know, when I tore my uh, shoulder up, like, my doctor basically said, you can't play hockey anymore. Oh, yeah, you're done. You're done. You, you know, once you tear pretty much anything in hockey, yeah. it's pretty much game over. It's, oh, yeah. You know, in tennis, it's the same way. anything ankle or foot related yeah. or if, shoulder related, your toes. So anything. Because if it's lower body... That's like fifty percent of your 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 tennis, and then the other fifty percent is upper body. I mean, you need all of it. It's not like soccer, where if you break your arm, you're okay. You know, like if you broke your shoulder, you have to be careful, but you can still play because you use your feet. Uh, but in, in tennis, you need every muscle that you can that you can muster up. And uh, Murray struggled with that, but you know, even though he didn't win. For him, it's definitely a win. And for Serena, that was a cool... Uh, I'm glad that they did that because they're both like recovering mm-hmm. greats. So to see them get as far as they did was pretty cool. So there's a lot of good things that came out of this. And that final, if, if you can watch it, if you didn't see the final and you can somehow, just watch it. It's long, I know, but it's so fun. So um, the last injury uh, for Andy Murray that yeah. he had... 
was mm-hmm. a hip surgery. Oh, hip. That's right. It wasn't rotator cuff. It was hip, which is probably I worse than a rotator cuff. I mean, because literally when you're swinging your racket, you're yeah. turning your hips. I mean, yeah. That's Even running. 99.9. Right. Running is going to be affected and, and anything upper body. It's like that's the, that's a really bad injury to have. Yeah, that's right. Um, thank you for clarifying that because that's a that's a major thing. But it's uh, it's cool. Either way, to see him back. I hope he's healthy for the U.S. Open. That's coming up, I think, next month. Uh, yes, I believe it is in the middle of August, mm-hmm. from what I remember. I think so. Uh, so from Wimbledon, we go to the Open. Yes! I, fi- I finally got it right. Yes, the Open Championship, Dan. <laughs> Tom, uh, I'm, I'm on this website. Okay. The last time the Open Championship was held in Northern Ireland at this golf course. Okay. 1951. That's a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah, just 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 a, just just a, a few, just a few years. Yeah, yeah. Just about 68 years. Wow. Why so long? Why that's kind of weird cuz like, you know, normally the, these courses have the same like 8-10 year rotation. Why this one so long? Well, it looks like this one was played uh, in 2014 for the Amateur Championship. It looks okay. like it was played in 2018 for like the younger, like the juniors. Okay. In 2018. Okay. And the Irish Open was played here in 2012. Ah, okay. All right. So that's so it's gotten some action. So I guess they just have so many beautiful golf courses up there. They're like, all right, let's, let's finally get back to this one. Uh, I don't know much about this golf course. It's Royal Port Rush, but you found it's uh, you found another name for it. Dunluce Links. Yeah, Dunluce, Dunluce. I mean, Dunluce sounds like an Italian drink, so I'm not sure exactly if that's accurate. But Dunluce Links at Port Rush is the name of the golf course. Okay. This this course was established in 1888. Ooh, that's an old one. That is an old golf course. It is um, from all the way back, 7,337 yards. Okay. And the old the, so the old course record set back in 2005, none other than Roy McIlroy. Oh, yeah? He shot a 61. Wow. Wow. Okay. So that's something. That's something to for, to save for when we do our predictions. <laughs> Just saying. Um, so right now it's ranked fourth by Golf World in their list of 100 greatest golf courses in the British Isles. Really? And that was as of November of 1996. Wow. And it's ranked 12th in the list of top 100 courses in the world. No kidding. Okay. So it's a, it's a very... It seems like a very interesting golf course. There's, a, I mean, this course, Tom. When I yeah. say it's like, like, like a stone's throw from the water, I mean this is like going to be right on the water. So yeah. if there's any sort of bad weather, this course is going to be very difficult. I'm looking at the open.com, and the picture that they have right here is whatever hole this is. I really don't know, but I mean, like, if you putt this ball too long, it goes into the beach. <laughs> <laughs> and and we're not talking about bunkers. We're talking about no, the no, actual like beach. The actual beach with oceans with huge ass waves <laughs> like right there. Uh I mean in the picture there's somebody actually surfing as the tournament's going on. So um yeah. Yeah, it's very close to the water. That means wind is going to be a factor. 
Yeah, it, you would and, imagine. And the, fir- and the first person I think of, in all honesty, is Rory because the last time they played at a course like this, yeah. was actually in South Carolina. It was the course that we went to, Kiowa. Yeah, Kiowa. Kiowa. Yeah. And my God, was that round hard? Uh, yeah. What was the wind gust like? Fifty miles uh, an hour the f- entire night. Fifty miles an hour, and it was, it was like crazy. full sun. It was crazy. So, I know. So it was imagine a nice day. rain, <laughs> and then that wind. Yeah. And, so. and you know what? I hope so. After the U.S. Open, which was, you know, a great U.S. Open, but very high scoring, or I'm sorry, low scoring, um, I kind of, I, I, I want this. I want wind. I want rain. I want the pros to be miserable. <laughs> I love that. It's so fun and, to me. And one thing I've, I kind of wanted to talk about, like, the past couple of weeks before we get to our predictions and mm-hmm. stuff, the last three tournaments that have happened on the PJ Tour. Mm-hmm. The winning scores of the winner have been over 20 under par. No. That is too high. How many that in a row? T- 20. No, how many in a row? Two. Oh, three. Three in a row? Ugh. Three straight tournaments on the PGA Tour. Uh, I turned it on over the weekend. Guy was at uh, The leading guy was at 22 under par. Yeah, that's, and he still had five holes to go. Yeah, that's not that's not golf. I'm sorry. I I, I know there's gonna be people that disagree with me, but that's not golf. <laughs> that's not golf. I I think this course is gonna bring everybody back to reality. I think so. I I think this course, I think the winning score is gonna be six under. I don't think it's gonna be even any more than that. Really? No. I, you from know, what from what I'm reading about this course, it is not easy. So a couple of the things that I think are advantages, like you you said that other than the um, the Irish Open, other than the Irish Open, which not all PGA pros play on, McElroy and and the people who play on the European Tour as well probably did play on this, but this isn't a course in the normal rotation. No, definitely not. I mean, and God, they. It's been 68 years since they played a PGA Tour major here. I mean, well, yeah, so a lot none of these guys sh- who are ma- based out of the United States are not going to know this course. No, I, I, I'm guaranteeing you that most of the pros probably haven't even played um, in, in this. Because I, they, why would you? There's no, there's no events other than the Irish Open. I honestly give the advantage to any European Tour player. Yep, yep. Because I agree. Uh, I would not pick a Dustin Johnson. No. I would not pick um, a Brooks Kepka. No. It's crazy to say, but these guys are not going to be used to these kind of conditions. They're not no. going to be used to this kind of course because it's completely different from what they're used to. And guys like, it might sound crazy, but Rafa Cabarrabeo, mm-hmm. Jamie Donaldson, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, these guys are going to know this course. So I need to tell you this. This is important. The weather for Port Rush, Northern rain, Ireland. Isn't it? Please be rain. Thursday, rain, eighty percent chance. Winds high of fourteen, so it's not too bad. Friday, rain, fifty percent chance, eleven miles an hour. Saturday, rain, fifty percent, eleven miles an hour. Sunday, rain, fifty percent chance. So fifty percent chance. I mean, yes or no? But pretty much from this Tuesday to Monday. Now. The reason why I'm bringing that up is because if it rains tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, and it's a lot of rain because it looks like the percentages are pretty high on both these days, the course is going to get soft, and that changes a lot of play. Now, if it happens like on a Thursday where the course, you know, like the players haven't seen the wet course, 
then it won't be as slow and it won't be as scorable. But if it starts pouring the week of the tournament, that's going to, you know, pros love those soft conditions because that means you could just go right at the pin. You can just hit it high and pop. And the wind doesn't look like it's going to be too, too strong. 11 miles an hour is nothing for these pros. It's not. No, that's nothing. That's that's jump change. So I'm a little worried now that I look at the weather. I was on board for a second, and now I'm like, uh, if it Wednesday looks like it's going to rain quite a bit there, and if well, it does, the, the thing that will bring your hope back up, Tom. Tell me, is, is a signature hole, number sixteen. Okay. At this course, and what is it? It is a it is a uphill, two hundred and thirty six yard par three. Uphill, and when I say uphill, they're they're saying the the elevation, I think they said it's near thirty feet. It's like basically straight uphill. So it's gonna play like two, probably more like two seventy or fifty or yeah, something, like, yeah. something like that. Yeah, it's the gonna name, be a tough one. And especially as one of the three uh, three finishing holes. Oh that's yeah, not, that is not gonna be easy. No, the name of this hole uh-huh. is known as Calamity. Calamity. Okay, that's a name. That's a name. I guess. So I mean. It, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> it is played to a green over a huge ravine, short and right, with mounds and hollows to the back and left of the green. So basically, if you're right, you're straight up screwed. Basically, sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, accuracy is key. But I mean, hitting a 200, and, uh, depending on the pin, 250, 260, right, for a par three, that is not yeah. easy. No. No, that's that. That's a tough hole for anybody, even even these amazing golfers. It, it really is. Uh, but how many holes are like that? You know what I mean? Like if that's one, that's great. I love that. That's going to be a tough one. It's going to be over par. It sounds like. But are the rest of the holes mediocre in difficulty, or are they? You know. So you got one on the fourth hole. So kind of you know a couple holes in mm-hmm. is a par four, four hundred and eighty yards. Uh, the fairway is no wider than 40 feet wide it's a pretty it's a I mean, pretty narrow fairway okay out of bounds right and thick rough on the left and when they say thick they're saying like pretty like nasty thick rough okay and that is the staple of this golf course that's the interesting rough. the rough is one of those things you get your ball in the rough uh-huh. good luck okay okay all right so it's an accuracy thing again it's the and same thing as like the u.s open and it seems like there are a lot of bunkers and undulating fairways, so you're not going to have a flat lie. Ooh, so okay. So it's not a flat course, so it's a very hilly course. Okay. This is all good information because I'm, I'm looking at the list of golfers and I'm trying to assess my my pick for this or my picks because we always pick an underdog too. Um, okay. Oh, and the hole you were talking about is actually the fifth hole, short downhill par four with a dogleg right, mm-hmm. no bunkers but heavily – undulated green perched on the edge of a large drop down to the beach <laughs> that has views across the white rocks beach and the dunluce castle yep that's it after which the course was named <laughs> wow that's oh okay all right cool a little history on that i like it the dunluce castle which okay. was oh wow that is beautiful is holy it? smokes yeah it real, i'll send it to you yeah please and i love wikipedia condition in ruins <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> and it was built in the middle ages Thanks, Wiki. Thanks for telling me that a medieval castle is in ruins. <laughs> I thought it was fully functioning. <laughs> did, did you like that though? Yeah, it was built in the Middle Ages. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, it's like right, right. Um, that's my uh, field of 
interest there. Uh, yeah, I'll have I'll have to send you. So this looks like it hosted a lot of battles. This, that like. that is one of my favorite things about the UK is just the medieval history, especially. I mean, they had history before that, but the medieval history is just littered all over all of those countries. You can't go anywhere without seeing some sort of ancient ruins from the Middle Ages, which is so fun to me. So cool. It it, it really is. Um, and that gives so, this golf course a lot of character, too. I'm, I just got you. It does. It. Absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. Look at that. Here. Perched on the rocks like that. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. It's beautiful. So the last time the Open was played here mm-hmm. in 1951, it was won by a gentleman from England by the okay. name of Max Faulkner. Oh, yeah, the greatest uh, Max Faulkner of all time. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. See? Um, <laughs> so his scores for the four days. Okay. 71, 70, okay. Okay. 70, okay. 74. Oh. Three under was the winning score. Wow. But this is back in the 50s. This is back in 1951. Okay. Uh, so I got some more stats here. Throw them at me. Uh, they lengthened the second hole by 40 yards and realigned the 10th uh, with um, the 12th, which that sounds weird. Okay. Uh, the overall length of the uh, course increase was over 200 yards Cats. as, of, as of two years ago. Okay. So it's gone from 7,100 to 73. Which is a notable difference for sure. And the total number of bunkers have increased from 59 to 62. Okay, so they added a couple bunkers in there too. And the rough is high. And then you have the natural conditions too. Okay. Right. So it sounds like it's going to be a challenge. I, I think as long as the course doesn't get too saturated and it becomes this easy to aim at thing then i think we're in for a fun four days i think so yeah i i think this is all it's all going to come down to a couple things driving accuracy okay and iron play yeah because i i don't think a bomber is going to win this tournament there's, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, they'll have an advantage on, on a couple of those holes. Like that par three, they're going to have an immediate advantage. You, you know, if uh, Dustin Johnson, if he's on his game, he can get there with like an iron probably because that's just how beastly he is. But uh, I think I think you're still right. And, and you know what? I think that's right for a lot of these majors, um, especially like the Masters where it's not the longest golf course. You need accuracy. To win these you do. things, absolutely. You just need to be accurate, and it seems like if you're good off the tee, you're typically one of those guys who are going to be in the final like twenty on Sunday, if you're a good driver. Uh, like Rose lost the Open or the U.S. Open because his accuracy toward the last couple of days just ate it, and if he had stayed accurate, he probably could have won. He might have beaten Woodland, maybe, maybe not. So, I don't know. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a tough course. All right. So, with that said, Dan, you have all the stats. You have ideas. Who is going to win the Open Championship? And who is your underdog to win? You have two picks, like always. So, I'm actually going to go first with my underdog. So okay. It kind of saves the suspense for my main pick. Go for it. My underdog isn't so much an underdog if, like, if people who are listening to this are going to be like, 
This guy, not an underdog. Okay. Has has won plenty of tournaments. Okay. And has won uh, a gold medal. Okay. Well, was it gold medal or silver? I, I can't remember. He actually was just playing over in Scotland not too long, uh, actually this past week, and actually went, I want to say 18 or 19 under Okay. At a, at a course in Scotland. That's pretty close to Ireland, so okay. And apparently this course is only 30 minutes or so away from the open course. Okay. So I was like, okay, let me see how he's playing. He was striping the ball. He was putting well. He had great short game. He was accurate off the tee. And if he can transfer that game to the open, mm-hmm. we'll win by a landslide. Oh, a that, landslide. This, this wildcard pick or sleeper pick yeah. is Henrik Stenson. That's a great pick because Stenson's been playing better progressively through the year. I, I like that. That's a That's a smart pick. And he ended up finishing up, I believe he was like two or three back of, of the winner. But it was no fault in him playing as hard out because he played so well. Right. And he's been playing a lot in Europe as of late. You've noticed he hasn't been playing on the PGA Tour very much. He has he's not. He's been playing right. over in Europe a lot. Mm-hmm. Spain, France, Ireland, Scotland. Like He's been all over the map. Right. And he's putting down low numbers. Right. Don't be surprised if you see him in one of the final groups on Sunday. I, I'm never surprised when I see Stenson. I've always liked Stenson. I, I've always thought he's a solid player. He's a very accurate player, which plays into what you were talking about. Um, and he's just a good golfer. So it's not surprising if if he is there. But that's a great pick because I think a lot of people are not going to think about him when they think about uh, potential winners. All right, so we got your underdog. So that leaves you with the important, who's your winner? Who do you think is the winner? I was going between two people on this one. Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. I I am actually not going with any American player. Yeah, that's probably smart too. It's it's not going to be American. No. This is no offense to any American player, but you're not going to beat a European on this course. I agree. If it was St. Andrews, definitely. Right. I'd say that it's anybody's ball game. I think the winner of this tournament is going to be Tommy Fleetwood. Oh, you suck! That was going to be my—that's <laughs> my underdog pick. You, you rat bastard. Well you, well, you, well, you know what? Tommy Fleetwood. I've said for years. Damn it! Is, <laughs> he's accurate. He's smart. He's got a great short game, and. I think he has what it takes to win the, win this tournament, especially being a guy from the UK. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, well, you know what, Tom? I was actually going between him and Molinari. Those are my two. Yeah, I was going between Molinari hasn't impressed me over the past few months uh, since his early show earlier this year. So I'm not. Uh, I I wasn't really thinking too much about him but i definitely was going to pick tommy fleetwood as my uh as my sleeper pick uh the only reason why i say sleeper pick is because he's not one of those uh, you, you know guys that everyone's going to look at and say oh this is 
a potential winner. He even well, though he should be because he's always gonna, good. well. They're going to look at McElroy and DJ. And yeah, Kepka exactly. And Rom and Woods exactly. and Rose, like those guys. They're like, oh, Tommy Fleetwood. No, right. he can't. Right. He can't do it. It's funny how uh, were you thinking about Brooks Kepka at all in this? Honestly, no, I was yeah, not. Me neither. And, and it's 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 almost like an insult because it really is <laughs> like he can easily win this because he's. Brooks Kepka, uh, so I'm gonna go Brooks Kepka as my sleeper pick, and I and I, I know that sounds crazy <laughs> to say he's the sleeper pick, but uh, I just don't think you know, like I'm I'm going with you. Uh, I don't think an American is gonna win this. I think the, a lot of those European players who grew up in this kind of you know golf course is got the obvious advantage, but Brooks Kepka just because he's Brooks Kepka, I'm gonna say he's my sleeper pick. But now, like I, you threw everything off, and and it's it's all. And now I'm looking through the list, and I'm like, no, you stink, you stink. <laughs> like, uh, I, there's so many. You know what, Rory McIlroy. He won. He won it before. He's played the course. He's doing pretty well for himself the last few months. Uh, and it's Northern Ireland. It's his home. It's his home country. Uh, the pressure might be tough. On him because of that, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna think like that. I think Rory McIlroy has a very good chance at winning this if he can stay in the fairway. If his driver lets him off, like if his driver messes him up, then he's in deep trouble. But oh, absolutely. But if he can stay accurate, why not? Why couldn't Rory win this? I think yeah, you know, he's he's been in a slump. He hasn't won many. He hasn't won any majors in in a few years. Wouldn't it be perfect for him to win it? And his own, in his own country, the crowd really going to be for him. They're they're definitely going to be behind him. 100%. Oh yeah, the crowd behind him is going to be huge. Let me see who he's playing with on on uh, Thursday. I just saw his name. Uh, hold on, please hold. McElroy. All right, let me just McElroy. Oh, I'm not on the right page. McElroy. There he is. He is playing with Gary Woodland. Paul Casey and Rory McIlroy. <laughs> He's playing with Rory McIlroy. <laughs> Rory McIlroy. He's playing listen, with Rory McIlroy. Listen, I, I was caught in the moment. Okay. <laughs> um, so that's a, that's a fun little group, but uh, I think Rory can do it. Um, ooh, uh, the, my boy Stenson's playing with Xander Shoffley and Graham McDowell. Yeah, that's an interesting one. David Duvall is still playing. <sighs> well, somewhat. <laughs> But anyway, we got our picks, and uh, they're good picks. I think I, I feel like we got the winner again this time. We've been doing really well. We've been doing too well. <laughs> now, I do have one question for you. Go ahead. If there was going to be one American who you think could pause, has the best chance of winning this tournament, do you think it's Kepka, or do you think it's someone else? I think it's Kepka, just because Kepka only knows how to play in major tournaments. Uh, he. Pressure is not a thing for Brooks Kepka. Look, look at what he did on uh, on Sunday of, of of the Open of the U.S. Open, where he should not have even been in contention. He finished what second place? <laughs> that's just that's just the type of player he is. Um, he's got the entire package for any golf course. So yeah, I, I think he's a shoe in for any major right now while he's hot. Um, yeah, I don't I I don't see another American. I don't see a Bubba Watson, Dustin. Maybe I haven't been impressed by Dustin this year, so I'm not going to pick him. 
one American that I actually want to keep my eye on is Matt Kuchar. Yeah, that's a he good. Actually, he actually just played the same tournament Stenson played in and went 15 under. That's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, if he's Kuchar's doing that. probably the only other one because McElroy was in that same tournament and he went only like eight or nine under. Yeah, for that tournament only. Like, he, he, only. Well, and see, that's the I crazy know. part. Like we were talking about before, that nine under doesn't win you a tournament after four days. It's so that twenty three under wins a tournament. Yeah, it's like it's like hey, I, I shot nine under par for a professional golf tournament. Oh, great! So, How, so you, you know, you, you remember Beef Andrew Johnston? Uh, oh yeah, I remember him a little bit. He, like he went nine under on the on the final round. On the final the round. Per- yeah, that's and that's that Stenson played in. That's crazy. Nine under. That's that's too much. That's too much. You birdie you birdie half your holes. Yeah, that's that's a lot. <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. But uh I don't I don't know. You think he can translate that to the open championship here? I don't think so. Yeah, me neither. I, no. I don't see enough in him for that. He could surprise no, but us. But I think we pick, I think somewhere in our four picks we've picked the winner again. I I completely agree. Completely agree. Uh so we are going to take our first break. When we come back, we have a couple stories for you guys, yep. um, including some big news in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss it. Welcome back, everybody, from our first break. So from our first break, we're going to jump right back into um, some sports talk. Uh, the big trade that happened this past week that kind of blew my mind, like, I know there've been a lot, a lot of, of uh, there there've been a lot of trades this offseason. It's been a very active NBA offseason, that's for sure. That's an understatement. Who would have thunk that Russell Westbrook would leave Oklahoma City to go and play with James Harden? Yeah, and, and the the irony about that is it's now James Harden's team. <laughs> You know, it's like you're going to another team, and I mean that's that right? Do you agree with me? That's James Harden's team. It's James Harden's team. 100%. So, so you go from uh, James Harden was the six man, or the, the yeah, you remember he was like the was did he win the six man award kind of thing when yeah. he was? So he went from that to pretty much owning the 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 Rockets, and now guess what? <laughs> He's got his buddy back. It's a shocking. It is a shocking trade, uh, in my opinion. And it's it just added another dynamic to the already complicated West. It really does. Uh, so the package was Russell Westbrook to the Rockets for Chris Paul and a package of first round picks. Hmm. So they did the first round picks in 2024, 2026, pick swaps in 2021 and 2025. You know, if this, if they can find chemistry. Again, because they did. Don't forget how good this team was. Uh, the oh the, yeah, with Dur- with Durant, Harden, with, and Westbrook Durant, all yeah. on the same freaking team. That, how that did team, they not win a championship? They all, they should have. They probably should have, and but they didn't. But um, if they can find chemistry, this team is very dangerous because they were already very dangerous. They were that team where it's like you can't sleep on them because they can beat you and they will if you sleep. Now they have this dynamic player that's joining them. And now they're even more deadly than they were. It, it's definitely a shocking trade. Uh, what do you What do you make? Who do you think? Uh, do, all right, was it a fair trade? You know, I think given what Oklahoma City wants to do, they want to rebuild and they want to have like one veteran guy kind of like 
lead the young guys and kind of show them a ro- show them the ropes and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it was a very even trade because God did the Rockets give up a lot. They did. Get them. They did, but. The way I always look at first round picks, because first round picks are definitely a lot, and I know, uh, you know, a lot of people are very iffy about trading them. But here's the thing: if your team's already really good, and you're going to make it to like the conference finals or deep into the playoffs at least, right? Those picks are not the greatest picks anymore. And if the draft, if you believe that the draft isn't going to be strong, then you might not even get a good player out of that draft. Right. So, But now you get Russell Westbrook, who's one of the better players in the league, and now you have a team that could easily win a championship. And I think that's why they did the trade. Sure. I think the reason why the Rockets did it is because they know their time to make a move is right now. And yeah, if absolutely. they don't make this move, then they're going to be kind of like sitting on the back back burner watching everybody else exactly. You know, make a run. You know, Golden State might not be there next year. They might not, but they probably will still be a, a, a very strong, strong team. Uh, the West is going to be a very interesting breakdown because there's so many good teams now. The West is completely stacked. There's oh, absolutely. five or six teams that can easily win. Uh, L.A., uh, the Clippers. Yep. Um, the Warriors. The Rockets and the Warriors. That's at yep. least four. Yep. And, and I'm sure there's going to be one surprising team because there always is. There's always one that shocks everyone. I I feel like they had to make this move. I didn't even know that he was up for trade. I didn't know he was on the trading block. So that was that was why I was so shocked by it. Well, so I knew he was on the trading block. Um, and it's actually been for about a year or so. He's actually had some problems with the GM for, ah. for a while now. Gotcha. But thankfully, the trade itself was very amicable, and mm. they they did it very civilly. Okay. What? And he, he he said he worked very like you know civilly with Russell because you know Russell Russell's a hothead. He's he's <laughs> got kind of a temper. He's kind of got a, a little bit of an ego. Just like yeah, James it's Harden, so it's, born it's the ego exactly. It's the ego. Um, I I think this is definitely a move for a championship. Because now you have uh, Harden, Westbrook, and people forget that Clint Capella was nearly an all-star this year. There you go. An all-star yeah, center. And I think this team now can make a run at L.A., at Golden State, at oh yeah, uh, you know these other teams. No doubt. In the East, like the Bucks and the, and the Celtics and those teams. I have no doubt in my mind that you're, you're 100% correct on that. They definitely have a chance. It'd be crazy to think that they that they don't have a chance now adding this. Now there is also that chance that that ego gets in the way kind of thing, um, but you kind of expected it won't, especially since they were teammates before. And it seems like a match kind of made in heaven. Yeah, it does. You're absolutely right. So we'll just see if that product can play well when push comes to shove. Uh, Westbrook has not been able to bring a championship to Oklahoma. And the Rockets haven't either, so we'll we'll see. I I, I don't know, but it definitely helps their case, one hundred percent. And I didn't see it. I didn't see it going that way. I thought Westbrook had a little bit of a chance to be maybe like a, a Laker or something. I don't know the fight the the cap, but I, I can see. I, I for some reason I could see that happening because I remember hearing things that Westbrook was interested in the Lakers and stuff like that. But it's, all right, but he's a Rocket, and that just made the West even more fun to watch. Yeah, and and to think about it this way, Tom, 
um, when they do the East versus the West yeah. uh, in the All-Star game, <laughs> is, is there even a point for the East showing up? I, I say, I'm... I'll say no, and then we'll be surprised <laughs> when the East Well, if wins. you think about it, Kawhi, who used to be in the East, now is in the West. Yeah. The West now has Kawhi, mm-hmm. Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. LeBron James, Steph Curry, um, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Yep, like, yep. should I continue? No, no, please don't. <laughs> literally, literally, the literally the East has that from off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, guys like Giannis. You mm-hmm. got Kemba. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, uh, Kyrie is still over there, and uh-huh. Durant. But Durant's not going to play next year, most likely. Well, yeah, it's what it's looking like. Yeah. So the only three players that I can think of who could match up with the All Star caliber on the West is mm-hmm. Kyrie, um, Kemba. And then Giannis, right? That's pretty much it. Pretty much, and it 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 definitely seems like it's pretty stacked. Which uh, I'm not sure how I completely feel. We'll see. We'll see. Again, things look really dominant on paper, but paper doesn't always translate. You're absolutely right. So we'll we'll have to wait and find out. But I mean, if you're a betting man, you're betting on the West in in this case because they're just so stacked. So it's stacked. Cr- it's crazy how stacked they are right yeah. now. Um, so from that crazy story to uh, a story in the NFL, a, a, a sport that I hold near and dear to my heart. I <laughs> love. I've been a big football fan for all my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you're not big into football, but this story kind of piqued your interest a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm a football fan. Uh, I, I typically like watching uh, the the highlight games. You know, not so much my Jets losing every single week. That's not my thing to do. Uh, but this is definitely a topic that uh, has been circulating for, for many years. And it, it's, in my opinion, it's it's based off of one thing, greed. <laughs> yep. Oh, absolutely. The, the owners just want more money. That's um, exactly it. And, and the, what we're talking the, about, yeah, explain what we're talking about first. I was going to say, the bottom line of the story is that the NFL owners proposed an 18-game schedule with a limit of 16 games per season for the players. So basically, the players still play a 16-game season, and then the probably those last two weeks, they're probably resting, they're probably uh, benched or something, or they just utilize them differently and take weeks off or something. Right. And the NFLPA came out, and they're against the 18 games, which I don't blame them. I don't either, because uh, the, first of all, this is what it's going to do. It's going to open up the possibility to add a 17th game. That's what's going to end up happening. And and the players already get beat to crap out there. And one more game, and then the playoffs, is it's a lot more than it might seem. A lot of people are like, oh, it's just one more game. Who cares? But look at the type of, like, look at how long these players' careers are. I mean, what's a running back's career, Dan? Like maybe maybe ten years if they're lucky. Maybe ten years exactly. So now you want to add another game, and that's what the goal is because that's also come up a thousand times. It's hey, let's get let's add one more game. The only reason why you would add an extra game is to get that extra revenue. You want the, yep, you want one more week of making millions of dollars, and that's on top of these teams who are already making billions from their team. You don't need an extra game, and that's why the players' associations have always been against it, and the owners want it. Uh, so it, the, the debate is up again with this new 
I don't know. Th- to to me, this seems like a weird plan to add an extra week and but still keep the sixteen games. I think it's bull. No, I, I think it just doesn't make any sense. Um, I think for me, seventeen is more than enough. Yeah. Because you know, if the, if these teams know that they've locked down a playoff spot, yeah. Week seventeen, they're they're having margaritas on the sideline. They're like, I'm ready for the playoffs. If we start with eighteen, eventually it's going to get to nineteen. And then twenty, and because the the ultimate goal, I guarantee you, for these owners is to have a year long NFL. Oh, hundred percent. Why wouldn't you want a year long NFL? That's probably because th- this country loves football, and they're going to spend money to watch football. So they don't care. They, they don't care about the players. <laughs> they just P- want to watch football. P- people talk about baseball being America's pastime. I completely disagree. It's it football. was. It was. The, baseball America's absolutely pastime. used to well, be, but one, now with this new modern day fo- uh, NFL, it's 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 football. Right. Football is the national pastime. I, I agree. It, it's like every school uh, really amps up their football program. I rarely see baseball programs getting amped up or ramped up in in high school levels and stuff like that even in especially in college i mean how how much bigger is college football than college baseball like for for those of you listening which one do you get more excited about the college football playoffs or the college world series exactly don't worry i'll wait because the conversation should not take that long no no it's 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 clear that this country favors football and that's what the owners are going to use as leverage in this discussion it's like listen we the the people want more football and the players are just like we can't play any more football this is a lot Uh, i mean the, the the sheer fact that some centers in the NFL, like and just offensive and defensive linemen, mm-hmm. are retiring at like thirty six years yeah. old. That Not, alone should tell you. I mean, look at some of the longevity of uh, hockey players. Yeah, uh, like in their forties, even some in like close to fifty. Listen, thirty six is pushing it because uh, rarely, rarely do I see thirty six. Because because Adrian Peterson. I mm-hmm. think right now is about 34, 35 years old. Yeah, yeah. And what's crazy is he's considered old. I know. He's, he's considered, considered old and washed up. He's considered extremely old. Like, if you think of Adrian Peterson, you're like, oh, wow, he was good back then. It's like he's he's still – he's only a few years younger or older than us. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's not much older than us. No. Uh, and to but think that's that football. he's basically ancient in football yeah. is is crazy. I know. I mean, you know, the the one position that gets a lot more attention, because uh, at least with age, is is quarterbacks, because quarterbacks are so protected that they can have longer careers. But the rest of the teams, or the rest of the players, I should say, don't have that luxury. They're hitting uh, other three hundred pound men as hard as they can, and you can only do that for so long. And one game might seem like nothing, but if you have uh, a 15-year career, you're pretty much adding an entire season to your career. Yep. Which is a lot. And then the playoffs. If you're in a team like the Patriots, which are perennial playoff teams, and you're going to play 17 games or 16, but then you got to go play all these playoff games, those players' careers are going to be super short. They'll Absolutely. Win, you know, it's, and just for a little extra money for these already extremely rich owners it's it's upsetting and that's why i'm passionate about this topic because i'm just so tired of the greed overtaking the player's safety how many more players have to die 
and then be examined and see that they have brain issues until or CTE, right? Yeah, until the NFL is like, okay, maybe we should, you know, reconsider the way we do things. But they don't if, care. If anything, Tom, they should be playing less games. I I um, I, I agree. I completely uh, agree. I think it should be a fifteen game season, and then like maybe like a week or so off, and then the playoffs. Right. And then like scra- give, give the players some rest. Like and while, let them rest. And while we're at it, scrap the the dumb All Star game because no one cares oh about god, the All Star game. No, I mean, God, how many people watch that game every year? One, four, four. It's the official stat. I looked it up. I did my research. It's four. <laughs> They're all from Texas. <laughs> and then when the one person in Hawaii who was watching it. Oh yeah, the the one Hawaiian that goes there. I forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's dumb, but that's a whole different topic. But yeah. I, I, I think it's dumb, and I think it's just another way to exploit these these uh, players. And they're, the other response you'll get from this, Dan, is, well, they make all this money. And, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. But money is – this is going to sound shocking. Money's not everything. <gasps> you took the words right out of my mouth, but that's a shocking statement. Money's everything, isn't it? It's supposed to, to, to these be. owners, absolutely. But to these players, they want to – have a good time playing football. They want to play a sport that they love, but they don't want to be like pushed to the absolute limit no. of what their bodies are telling them to do. Right. And that's why a lot of these pros want to get as much money as possible. A lot of people think it's all ego and it's some of it. It definitely is. But a lot of it is they understand that their career is going to be over in a few years. Well, people may dog them all you want, uh, but Gronk, uh, granted it was probably not his decision, uh, Gronk did, did something really smart. In all his years he played for the Patriots, what, the seven or eight years he played for them, he mm-hmm. didn't spend one dime of his contract money. Yeah, that's he what I heard. He off his endorsements. Yeah. So he has millions and millions of dollars and, in his bank. And, and he's invested a lot, and he's done it mm-hmm. correctly. But unfortunately, a lot of players don't have that kind of guidance. Nope, they they blow it on fancy cars and huge houses. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, think about what you elaborate would, things. Think about what you would do if you were just given twenty two million dollars. It would oh be hard. God. It would be hard not to spend it. It I, would be, but you got to yeah. be at least smart with it and conserve it. And and I agree. And like I said, this is another conversation that we could be having as well. But as far as adding another game, it does nothing. All it does is extend the NFL season. All, which is already far too long, because I mean, even we're even like we're talking about the NFL right now, and the NFL doesn't start for a couple more months. And to me, that's just preposterous. But well, it's not even Tom less than a month. Spring whatever. training. Uh, uh, oh yeah, preseasons in August. All right. Well, I don't. I <laughs> I don't count that. That's not football. When when you see guys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. None of the stars play. A couple of them do to like warm up and whatnot. But I don't count that. Uh, although you should. Although we should because the pros that do play in that, like the the ones who are going to make the team, that's even more football that they have to play. <laughs> so let's yeah, let's go add another game to already the seven thousand football games we have to play. No, thank you. Yeah, it, it, I I completely agree. I think it's it's just too much. It's too much. And, and they need to take their health into consideration. And not the ratings and the money. Right. Which will never happen, unfortunately. Nope, it never will. You're absolutely right. So we are going to take our last break. When we come back, we are going to have our final thoughts and our wrap-up. And maybe the Laugh At It segment. Stay tuned for more. 
Welcome back, everybody, from our last break. Oh, man, what a break it was, wasn't it? That was a great break. <laughs> it was fabulous. Just we, fabulous. We much needed five-second break. I love it. I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, 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 panicking, panic mode, panic mode. Take it away, Dan. <laughs> so before we get to our final thoughts segment, I wanted to bring back a segment that I had last month called okay. Laugh at It. Yay. I found a, I found a story today. And it was a mix of, huh, and just, like, laughing, just why. Okay. So, apparently, Major League Baseball has had it with fans and players and all these people complaining about the umpires. Okay. Getting strikes and balls and missing calls and things like that, costing games. Okay. Right, kind of rightfully so, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll hear it out. So MLB's solution. Oh, I can't wait for this. Are, 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 you, are, you, are you sure you're ready for this? <sighs> no, because it's going to be something dumb. It's always dumb with the MLB. Tom, they want to talk about incorporating mm-hmm. robot umps. All right. I'm retiring from <laughs> podcasting. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the ride. It's been fun. It's been fun. What? <laughs> what? Yes. Yes. What do you mean? What do you mean? Like, explain it. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking too literally. Maybe I'm thinking like actual, like, hello, I am strike one, strike two. Not like, is it? Tell me I'm wrong. It's not that, right? So they said uh, right here. Let me see. Dubbed Robo Ump, affectionately by some, not so much by others. It would be one of the most significant changes in the history of the game. An yeah. umpire standing behind home plate and calling balls and strikes. Based not on his own eyesight and judgment, but on the direction of a tiny voice in his earpiece. <laughs> that voice would be programmed result of however the track band system of highly calibrated lasers reads a pitch as it crosses the plate. So basically, these umps are slated to stand there and say, oh, the laser says it's a strike. Rather than the umps being like, no, that's a ball, that's a strike. It's someone in an earpiece whose the lasers are covering home plate of some sort that you don't see. And then they get a thing in their earpiece that says, Oh, that was a strike. Call it a strike. So are they gonna they're be taking able to the hum- they're taking the per- the person behind the plate out of it. Alright, so are they gonna be able to prove that that is one hundred percent accurate? You know, from what all these players are saying, they're saying it's completely ridiculous. Because this is even a thought. The way I think about it is uh, when when pitchers are pitching and they got their coach with the radar gun. You know what I'm talking about? Yep, I do. I've seen these radar guns. I've seen people pitch and the radar gun seeing 120 miles an hour. And then I'm seeing fastballs that are clearly like 90 to 95 and it's being read as 65 miles an hour. Now that's just the speed. I know that's completely different than what we're talking about. But that's technology that they use all the time to train pitchers and it's not a hundred percent accurate most of the times it's it's pretty accurate but it's not always accurate so what happens if there's a bases loaded three two count in the world series and it's you know it's a one run game and all of a sudden a pitch is a strike but it's on the corner and the radars determine that it's a ball and a score and a run scores now what happens then they blame the system yeah, so what's the point? <laughs> there, there is no point. So the the person that put it perfectly 
was the shortstop for the San Francisco Giants, Brandon Crawford, okay. said, This doesn't seem like baseball to me. It takes away the human element that has been around for generations. Yeah. I mean, and he was 100% right. You know, I'm okay with them adding, uh, like, a challenge. Like, let's say there's a. Let's say there's a, a, a the same situation, a ball, mm-hmm. or, or a strike, and, and the ump calls it a ball, and you're confident that it's a strike. The, I'm okay with them allowing that to be challenged because right now I believe it's not challengeable. So why not just do that? You know, allow yeah. a, allow a challenge if you don't like the call because human error is you know there. Just let them look at it again and say, oh, okay, it was definitely in the bat. It was in the strike. Uh, in the strike box, it's a strike. I, I, I will say this though: what they have changed over the uh, and for the game in the past couple of years, like limiting the amount of mound visits, okay, and oh, the yeah. amount of time between pitch. Because yeah. I noticed last time we were at a Red Sox game, I noticed there's a timer in the outfield. There like, is uh, once the first the first batter comes up. That's I think set for 15 or 20 seconds, I mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. So the pitcher can't stand there for two minutes waiting they for a, a pitch to be called. Exactly. I like that because there was one game I went to. I believe it was earlier this summer. I want to say the whole game took three hours. I mean, that's that's an improvement. <laughs> that's an oh improvement. my god! There was one. The, I think the longest game I ever went to. I think it was like a six-hour game. It's it's like it's five hours in, and I'm in the seventh inning. I'm like, can we go home? Yeah, like, it's baseball so can it's definitely, definitely be long. improved, but I think they're taking it too far with this. I think that's just crazy. I think impl- <laughs> and it's laughable. It, it, it's it's implementing. A robot and lasers to baseball? You know, maybe we're just like, old. Why? Maybe we're just old. Maybe, maybe like we just want too much of like the classic baseball game, and maybe, maybe like millennials or whatever will be like, okay, that's not bad. It's it's gonna be our future anyway. I mean, it we're, seems we're, we're like the old guys from from the Muppets up I in guess, the Raptors, just like, oh, 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 you guys are dumb. <laughs> the way I can look at it, Dan, is like this: it's inevitable. So mm-hmm. if they do it, then they were probably going to do it anyway, which I, I doesn't mean that I like it, but it's probably going to happen anyway. So I guess it doesn't matter. It just seems silly to me. Like keep the human error. I think that's part of baseball. Make it do something else. A challenge. Like, I'm sticking with the challenge. I think just allow a challenge or a couple challenges a game. You know, the challenges don't have to be long. You just got to look and say, "Oh, that was a strike. My bad." Right. I don't know. That's crazy. <laughs> well, good find. Good find. Uh, I appreciate that. But uh, so, what do you have here for your final thoughts? My final thoughts. Uh, listen. That Wimbledon final for the men's specifically was uh, a joy to watch. Uh, Djokovic and Federer both put on an amazing show, and I'm very happy that I had five hours of my day to watch that <laughs> because it was a long tennis match. But it was well worth my time. Uh, I, I'm sticking with it that that was my favorite uh, tennis tournament of all time. So it was really fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Open Championship. I love the Open Championship because it's early in the morning. And I can get up super early on a weekend and just watch all day and still have the evening uh, free to hang around. Right. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, I think that about covers my final thoughts. How about you? 
you know, you know, you've known me for a while now, almost almost ten years now, Tom. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big tennis player. Yeah. I became a fan this weekend. And I bet you a lot of people are saying the same thing too, Dan. That's and, and, that's and, the kind of match that'll do that. And, and you know, people are like, but they're just hitting a ball back and forth. But it was more than that. It, it was it was truly just remarkable to watch. Yeah, there are a lot of people that won't give it a chance, and I get it. Uh, it can be boring at times. But if you can make them sit down and watch that event, like that match, it'll sell you. Because what sold me on tennis was watching Federer and Nadal. I was already a fan before that, but Federer and Nadal back in 2008, watching that match made me a tennis fan for life because I saw what can happen, and that was enough for me to be a fan. And on a side note, um, the of the five top longest uh, Wimbledon matches in history, yeah. Guess who was in four of them? Uh, I'm guessing Federer. Yep, Federer was in four of the five longest matches in history. For do Wimbledon. you have Do you have the dates there? Is the Is the one with Nadal in 2008 there? Because that was a pretty yep, long N- one. Nadal is there, <laughs> and then there was the yeah. other one. Um, there was an American. I can't remember what his name was. Oh, that's uh, probably John Isner's. Oh no, but that's uh, yep. for, but that was for uh, finals. You said it was. Uh, well, so I think they were saying Andy, Wimbledon matches. Andy Rod. Oh, oh, okay. Well, if that's Wimbledon matchups, then that Isner one was three days long, so that has to win. <laughs> but <laughs> like, that's got to be ridiculous. Yeah, that's too but, much. Uh, I am excited for the Open. Uh, going to be early morning. I think it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see who steps up and kind yeah. of handles this course. Whether, like you said, is it going to be soft or is yeah, it we'll be find firm? out. We'll find that out soon. So hopefully, it's. I, I hope the rain holds up a little bit to make it somewhat challenging. Yeah, I don't want it. Like you said, I don't want it to be super soft to the point where they're just tossing tossing darts. Yeah, exactly. Out there, and then next thing you know, you're like, oh, they're thirty under par. Right. Yeah, I don't want that. I, I don't want like a fifteen, sixteen under thing going on. I, I hope even that like that three under from nineteen fifty one. I hope it's around there. That's that, more that'd exciting. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be fun. When, when guy, when it's like ten guys at three under and ten guys at two under, and like you got seven guys at one under, like they're all close. Yeah, it's not. It's not exactly the. Uh, it, it makes it a lot more interesting when 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 the match when the matches are that close. I'm also always worried about one runaway, like we had mm-hmm. with McElroy when he won his first Open Championship. He was like sixteen under. Everyone else was like seven. Yeah, it's like that's it kind of makes it boring. But you can't you can't imagine I can't imagine that's going to happen. This this course seems like it's going to provide a challenge, so it should be fun. Yeah, it should be definitely be a good one. Um, so that's going to do it for this okay. episode of Ride the Pine um, from all of us here. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ride the Pine Pod. Also, make sure to check us out on T Public uh, for our merchandise. Also, make sure to check out our Twitch channels. Both Tom and I are streaming on Twitch. Uh, Tom, you want to plug your Twitch channel? Uh, Yeah, twitch.tv slash death on two legs. The O's are zeros because someone who hasn't been active on Twitch for like six years has my name. So there's that. But I don't stream as often as Dan, so definitely go follow Dan first. Yep, and I am on twitch.tv backslash unbreakable one. And the second E is the number three because, just like Tom, someone who has been inactive for about four years yeah. has unbreakable with an actual E, and I am very mad at them. I would be uh, too. Yeah, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. 
Um, and so, yeah, that's going to do it. Until next week, we will be hearing from you then. We Thank will. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Bye.